The following is a description of the groundbreaking trip taken in the year 1919 by robber baron, financier, and self-described bully fellow, Marshall Burnham. Marshall Burnham made his fortune speculating in the midget and sundry freak labor market and was blessed with a continued financial success by his creation of popular remedies, including Burnham's Miracle Suppository, Burnham's Vapor Reducer, and the mysteriously titled Jittery Jim's Injection, most of which were tinctures of heroin suspended in earwig honey. Marshall's grand scheme first came into form after he read of the first transatlantic dirigible flight. He first read about it on a newspaper, shred at the bottom of one of his many canary cages. He had an innate fear of gas leaks. He is quoted to have said, I'll be damned and blasted if I let those engines show us who's wearing the knickerbockers. It is to be noted that he called all foreigners engines. He had always dreamed of flying over some grand thing, and when he accumulated his riches, purchased the largest dirigible available. Once he acquired it, however, he could not think of a grand enough thing to fly over. So, the dirigible floated over his estate for years, serving as an airborne chicken coop to some industrious squatters, until the day he read the article. He was infuriated that the French had thought to fly over the Atlantic before he could. He decided to do just what they had done, but he would show the world that it could be done with class and ease. I quote, And I shall be at such ease with my feet, I will enjoy a delicious breakfast the entire trip. He sent his manservants to readying the airship for immediate takeoff. The first intercontinental breakfast was underway. His ship was stocked with numerous carafes of coffee, tea, and orange juice. There were bagels and croissants and waffles with no less than four kinds of syrup. There was a selection of seasonal fruits and spreads, including cream cheese, ricotta cheese, head cheese, and a product of his own design, Galloping Good Breakfast Spread, which was a paste formed mostly of cocaine and earwig honey. The hitherto unnamed airship was dubbed the Mellifluous Lord and Savior of the Stars. And, after an impromptu masquerade ball, he and two of his manservants, Howley and Biggins, set out from upstate New York 
and over the sea. This is where the story becomes foggy. Few things were recovered from the Greenland crash site of the mellifluous Lord of Savior of the Stars, except for a gigantic pile of marmalade and a syrup-drenched logbook. Shared with you now are the few surviving entries from the book. All parts of the narrative that are defaced by maple syrup will be replaced with the word syrup. <clears throat> Day one. Anchors away. I write this as I enjoy my first delectable Danish and steaming cup of coffee. With my fine crew, I have not the slightest worry as to our success. Biggins has reassured me ad nauseum that he knows how to pilot a dirigible, a snout to tail, and his fanatical eye leads me to believe him, though he can only read and write enough to send body postcards via the mail. Uh, my decision to place Howley as cook and waiter was also prudent, as he is a staunch vegetarian and afflicted with the most disagreeably flautant uh, itis of the bowels when he partakes in dairy. I won't have to worry about him nibbling at my feast and tainting my glory. I hold my mug aloft, and in a bully tone, exclaim, Excelsior! Day three. I only wish that I had planned my condiment spread with more prudence. A barrel of maple syrup toppled over after a bit of turbulence, uh, making for a tricky cleanup for Howley that nearly catastrophically delayed my third breakfast. Biggins has told me that we are on course, though his only method of finding north is by placing a length of copper wire in his mouth and spinning in place. I will not question his methods, as I know that genius often works in eccentric ways. Day seven. I am growing weary of eating. Biggins has suggested that we make take turns eating, uh, thus continuing the meal. But I feel he has designs on my food supply. I informed him sternly that he will only consume his ration of hardtack and chicory for the remainder of the flight. There is a fecal order uh, em emanating from Howley. My suspicions are ablaze. I've begun supplementing my meals with galloping good spread, so I no longer require sleep. <laughs> I need to keep my eye on these two. Day 10. 
I, I got Biggins sneaking a ladle full of syrup from one of the drums just now. This enraged me, and I whipped him with my pistol until he fell unconscious. I kicked over the contents of the barrel onto him. Let him have all the syrup he wants. Already, I am halfway through my supply of galloping good spread. I, I hope this trip finishes soon. Syrup. Day 12. They're both covered in syrup now, with no way to clean themselves since I've disabled the servant's washroom. Now, now they stick to everything they touch. I syrup. My time throwing stale baked goods at them and seeing what sticks. At length, this agitated Biggins so much that he abandoned the helm and charged me with his rock-hard syrup. He struck me with it until I forced him back with a shot from my pistol. There's far too much feces for the tank to syrup. We've started using the syrup instead. God help me. Day 18. I hear it hissing day and night now. I can see nothing but water in all directions. Howley won't talk to me unless I hold a gun to his head. He is flatulent with fear. And the cheese I know he is stealing from me. I know his game, and I'll force him to confess by hook or by crook. I'm so full of breakfast I can scarcely move from my eating chair. I've used the last of the galloping good spread. Day 27. I, I, I wish I'd been more prudent in my condiment planning. It's impossible to move without sticking to the floor. Briggins sent the ship into a spin in an effort to dislodge the pistol from my hand, causing all of the syrup barrels to topple over. Biggins' navigational... <sighs> I've spied that he's not been using a map, but a lithograph of a nude woman holding a globe to guide our way. I fear for my life. My one-time servants ooze towards me with murder in their beady eyes. I have but one bullet left. Why did I feel the need for so much syrup?
The charred and sticky wreckage was discovered on the coast of Greenland by a whaler a month later. No bodies were found. What was left of the ship was hosed down and turned into a bird sanctuary. Greenland's first bird sanctuary was burned to the ground a year later by a group of anarchists that had misread a telegram.